It's time to join Montana's very own and your voice for agriculture, Talking Ag Lane Nordland, for today's LaneCast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agriculture Conversation here on the LaneCast Ag Podcast. And we are recording this show today at the 100th, the centennial celebration of the Montana Farm Bureau. And we are in Billings, Montana, and I'm uh, honored to have a guest from the southeast, from the great state of Georgia, President of the American Farm Bureau, Zippy Duval, joining us here today. Zippy, welcome back to the Big Sky State. Thank you, Lane. We're proud to be here at this uh, state celebrating their 100th, along with the 100th anniversary of American Farm Bureau as of today. It's today, the 12th. It's today. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to believe that farmers came together 100 years ago today and started what we know as American Farm Bureau, and, and it, it, it came down because counties had been already established. They said, well, why can't we do this at a state level? State States have been established. And then said, wow, this is working pretty good. Let's do it at national level. And that's when the American Farm Bureau was created. So with that, we, we look at the situations. Earlier today, we, we did a TV show here for the for our Montana Ag Network TV show that we host. And uh, the conversation was the, the situation 100 years ago, and especially in Montana. Uh, Montana's through a drought. Uh, it was right after World War One, of course, and prices everywhere were pretty good. Wheat producers got some good prices, cattle producers. But in Montana, we were going through a pretty tough time before the Great Depression even hit. And, you know, the history behind Farm, Farm Bureau on the state and national level is a part of so many different family farms and ranches, history and heritage. What's it mean to you to come up to Montana and also Wyoming? They're celebrating their 100th year as well. What's it mean to you to to meet these people where their father was a a county president yeah. or was the state president or was a delegate at you know the 25th convention? What what's that mean to you as the leader of the national group? Well, I see people continue the legacy. I mean, our, our organization is a legacy of uh, uh, advocacy for American Farm Bureau and. Uh, and it's interesting to come and see uh, all stages of life, uh, ages of life here. And uh, just saw some young people coming out the door and said, what are you doing here? For, uh, why are you here? And they said, well, we go to college here and we're part of agriculture. So we're over here. So that's what we need. We need that interest. Because when we're building our policy, uh, it's interesting. It's, it's important that we have all ages all kinds of agriculture from all sectors of the country. And that rounds out our policy to make it a, a really good representative of our, our farmers. But, you know, it, the Western issues have always just captured my attention since I've become national president because those are the issues I heard the least about. And I felt like they needed to be risen to the top and discussed a lot more. And hopefully everybody out here has seen uh, Farm Bureau discuss those issues more and take a more serious approach to it. Now, one thing that I notice, uh, I was in a fraternity in college. My grandpa was an Elks Club member. He was a part of the Eagles. Uh, my grandma was in all the auxiliaries. We're seeing a drop-off in these social organizations that make a difference in their local communities and their states and on a national level. And obviously, that's something that probably catches the eye uh, of, of the Farm Bureau. What, what are some strategies that the American Farm Bureau board, its members, and, and, and its staff are, are doing to, to make sure that we're engaging with these young people, that we're, we're, we're getting them to come to these county meetings and, and advocate and, and get off the farm and ranch for just a few hours to, to be a part of a, a, a larger voice for the industry? Well, I think from the American Farm Bureau level, 
we've continued our work in the leadership development area, not just to young people, but to women. And to you know, we've always uh, had farmers say, "Well, I passed the young farmer age. Where where do I fit in Farm Bureau now?" And hopefully, they'll find a, another life in the promotion and education committees that we have across the country. Some states have them, some don't, but uh, they still can activate uh, in, at a county level. So, uh, and and I think the second way is you know. Uh, communication has changed. We're doing a podcast here today. Uh, I've started a podcast at American Farm Bureau, so we're trying to use social media, new communication tactics to be able to reach farmers and ranchers of all ages all over the country because we need for them to be involved, and the most important place for them to be involved is at their county. I had an interesting conversation last night at dinner with with, uh, with a woman that grew up on a farm and a ranch, but she hasn't been on a farm or ranch in 20 years. She's involved in, in conservation efforts, but she still feels a disconnect, and she wants to be engaged with Farm Bureau. She knows she can't be a voting member. How do, what are some ideas that have maybe been floated out there? How do we engage maybe our associate members that maybe are involved with Farm Bureau through the insurance uh, side of things? Sure. Um, well, has there been talk? Obviously, there's been talk around that, but off the top of your head, what, what would that message be to one of those people that is now a generation removed from the farmer ranch but still wants to be involved in advocacy? Sure. If you see our, look at our structure uh, from the, the national level, state level, and county level, county level, 2,700 county farm bureaus across this country. And they do more than just agriculture. Of course, their boards are made up of agricultural people, whether it be men or women. Uh, but but they, those uh, organizations are part of their community. In my community and in my state, we promoted uh, uh, sponsoring all the athletics, sports athletics, and, and we and, and all the uh, cattle uh, species of, of animals that have been shown at the state fair. And, and we took that all the way back to the county level. So, if, you know, if a county was fortunate enough to have a state football team that was in the playoff, uh, that county Farm Bureau president was there. And, and that gives them connection to booster clubs and, and talking to uh, people that are have their children there. And they see Farm Bureau being part of their children's life, which draws them to want to be part of us. So I think there's a lot of areas that county Farm Bureaus are looking for people to be part of our organization. Even they may not be a voting member, there's a lot of goodwill that we could show to our communities by being involved that way. So you like to, to refer to the Farm Bureau family, and through that is the grassroots and the conversations that happen at the kitchen table out on the farmer ranch. And that's where the policy comes from. Um, how important is that family and the grassroots behind it? It's crucial. Uh, unfortunately, our Farm Bureau family are, are not as aware of part of the family is, is they are the one that they're associated with. Uh, everybody knows where the County Farm Bureau is. They know the good things that they're doing in the community. And then, of course, a lot of a lot of those people are associated with the State Farm Bureau and they're involved in some of those statewide meetings. But it, the further you go away from that county, the less people know about the Farm Bureau family. I, I, I try not to say American Farm Bureau. I try to say the Farm Bureau family because it, it consists of what I describe as a three-legged stool. One of those legs being the American Farm Bureau, the other the State Farm Bureau, and that County Farm Bureau, which is the most important leg there is because that county holds all the memberships of our organization. You're, you're a County Farm Bureau member first, and, uh, and that's where our policy comes from. And it's pretty neat to look at our book and say, well, some farmer behind a cow or in a chicken house or in a tractor come up with an idea and it ended up in this book. 
we're standing in, in Congress representing that policy or standing, I may be standing in front of the President of the United States representing that policy. And, and those people need to know that at the level that I'm at, we take that policy seriously. And I've been in other organizations and they have policy structures, but none of them are as pure as ours is. Well, Zippy, thank you so much for joining us, and friends, stay with us. We're going to take a quick sponsor break. We'll be back after this. As a Montana Farm Bureau member, you have access to a lot of valuable benefits. Now you can have your savings on the go with the Farm Bureau Member Benefits app. The app will show you where you can use your membership discounts with Granger, Case IH, Choice Hotels, John Deere, and more. Plus, with the app, your membership card is on your phone for easy access. It's free. Download the app today. Simply go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Farm Bureau Benefits app. Montana Farm Bureau, we care for the country. Your National Cattlemen's Beef Association knows there's what benefits cattlemen and there's what doesn't. Trade, the Farm Bill, technology and conservation. The decisions being made in Washington affect the life of each and every cattleman. When it comes to the issues, there's simply no room for gray area. To us, it's as clear as black and white. Visit joinncba.org to learn more. For the last two years, uh, the American Farm Bureau Convention has had the opportunity to host the President of the United States and uh, your good friend, Sonny Purdue, our, our Secretary of Agriculture. And when we're in the countryside, we, we hear a lot about the farm economy and we hear about trade. But we look back 100 years ago, it was tough times too. And it's so important to be a part of an organization to help get through those tough times. But let's just talk about the opportunities that Farm Bureau members have had to, to make a difference and actually have their voice heard at the top level with, with the president, with USDA. How important is that relationship right now? Oh, it's crucial. But before I start in, then I'd like to uh, tell everybody, when American Farm Bureau started in, in 1919, one of the three main focuses that that, that convention was uh, we wanted to put up barriers. We wanted to protect our our agricultural industry here. And now we're just the opposite of that. We want to tear down those yep. barriers and be a, have an open market uh, to the rest of the world. And it's just interesting to see that contrast between now and then. Uh, th those relationships are so important. Uh, one of the things that... Uh, uh, one of the talents that God gave me is to, to be able to work with people and, and find, you know, accept people for how they are and figure out how you're going to work with their personality and not try to change them because nobody's going to change us. You know, so uh, uh, when I went to Washington, it was my goal to, you know, build that relationships in an important place. And we had, uh, we got great people that work, people that work for American Farm Bureau that already had good relationships and I just built onto them. Uh, and then the uh, Secretary uh, Sonny Perdue came to town, who was the governor of my state. He and I had a great relationship when I was president of Georgia Farm Bureau. And for us to, for that relationship to blossom and everything that we do and everything USDA do, we've done together. Uh, and, you know, we don't agree on everything. Uh, but we've had more opportunities to push our policy into USDA because of those relationships. And I really do, uh, uh, describe USDA leadership as a dream team for American agriculture because everybody there now has been connected to agriculture over in their lifetime. Uh, Sonny Purdue's only the third 
uh, a fourth secretary that's actually farmed as an adult. And I just, I think that statistic kind of blew me away to know that that really could happen out of 30 secretaries. And then going on to the president, uh, the president of the United States was a candidate when he called me uh, three days after I was elected as president of this organization to congratulate me on my election. And as a candidate, he and I had a conversation that day uh, in my car when I was going, go, coming home from my grandson's uh, birthday party. Uh, and from that time on, he and I had a great relationship because we talked about issues that day. He said, I'm going to help you accomplish some of these things. And, and he has. He's given us a seat at every table. And if you watch, when, when he signs a executive order or a document that deals with trade, uh, I'm in the room. And, and a lot of other Farm Bureau people are, too. Um, I'll never forget being at the uh, 2016 National Farm Broadcasters Convention in Kansas City. And it was the morning after the election. And I was actually, the night before, I was out with some D.C. insiders as well. And, and we had had a side pod on the election. I won. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I remember one of your economists, uh, Bob Young, is that? Yes. Yeah, and... Uh, I heard him just in passing saying, we just got off the phone with, with President-elect. Like four yes. hours after the election was yes. called, to, to see that commitment to, to rule America, I, I, I think, speaks volumes. Um, well, and for, them, uh, and for the, this administration to choose American Farm Bureau, and, and uh, he loves the cattlemen and he loves corn growers and all that, but he understands that American Farm Bureau represents all those people. And it's one point, place that they can come. To, uh, to ask for advice and and uh, let us help them celebrate their wins. And we've had some wins. I don't care what the news that you're listening to uh, says. There's been some tremendous wins for rural America and agriculture with this administration. You know, and I like to say that a lot of the time, a lot of the negativity, even in farm and ranch news, really gets focused. And that's what people pick up on, when, whether they're listening to radio, podcasts, or TV programs. But there's a lot of wins out there. And really, Farm Bureau led the charge on waters of the U.S. on, on the repeal. And, and now, hopefully, the replacement uh, through that. Uh, talk about that process. Uh, I mean, because when that was really going, you, you were just coming in as president. And, and it's just amazing to see how fast that... Uh, common sense regulation can be brought into this right well that that uh, uh 2015 what was ruling was the largest federal land grab in the history of our country and it took away i basically took away our private property rights to be able to farm our land like we were we were taught to do and how we were being taught to do you know and so it, our people got very passionate about it we started a campaign called ditch the rule which didn't just stay within Farm Bureau, it crossed commodity lines. And it, got, it was so effective that uh, the previous administration uh, started their own campaign of Ditch the Myth, uh, trying to do away, try to make our uh, Ditch the Rue campaign look like it was a myth. And they were not successful. We were successful in that. And, and we were successful for, because the grassroots got so involved and getting that done. And then this administration comes on. One of those discussion items that pres uh, President-elect Trump and I had, or, or candidate Trump and I had on in the car that day, was Waters of the U.S. Me and him talked about it. And it was three months after he was in office, I was standing beside him when he was signing the executive order to dismantle the Waters of the U.S. So uh, his, his association to that ruling was directly through our organization. So, and, and for it to happen is, Fast, and a lot of people say, well, that wasn't really fast. Well, it takes a long time to undo 
uh, a ruling like that. And uh, and I think they've done a really good job, and they've tried to do it that, so it would withstand future lawsuits because it will be future lawsuits. Zippy, stay with us. It's time we have to take a quick break and, of course, thank one of our outstanding sponsors, that being the Montana Farm Bureau Federation. Don't go away, friends. We'll have more with the president of the American Farm Bureau, Zippy Duval right after this. As a Montana Farm Bureau member, you have access to a lot of valuable benefits. Now you can have your savings on the go with the Farm Bureau Member Benefits app. The app will show you where you can use your membership discounts with Granger, Case IH, Choice Hotels, John Deere, and more. Plus, with the app, your membership card is on your phone for easy access. It's free. Download the app today. Simply go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Farm Bureau Benefits app. Montana Farm Bureau, we care for the country. Your National Cattlemen's Beef Association knows there's what benefits cattlemen and there's what doesn't. Trade, the Farm Bill, technology and conservation. The decisions being made in Washington affect the life of each and every cattleman. When it comes to the issues, there's simply no room for gray area. To us, it's as clear as black and white. Visit joinncba.org to learn more. Again, thank you so much to our great sponsors of the Lancast Ag Podcast. We're going to continue our conversation here today with Zippy Duval, a farmer from Georgia, and also the president of the American Farm Bureau. Uh, Zippy, we were just talking uh, here off uh, off the record here about the importance of uh, of trade, the, the state of the farm economy. Because every every farmer rancher you talk to, it's all, it's always about prices, uh, what their family's going through, and, and how how they're going to make ends meet. It, it's a tough time in agriculture. We're not going to de- deny that, but we've had a lot of trade wins. Even though U.S., Mexico, Canada, and China are on the top of our minds, which we can talk about here in a bit, but we've had a lot of wins. Whether it's the EU, Japan, South America, um, it, it's truly a lot of bright spots on the trade front that is in the long run going to benefit the farmers and ranchers listening to this it, we have and uh you know go back to those relationships you know we've worked real hard with USTR and Mr. Lighthizer we didn't have a we didn't have a history with him but Greg Dowd that works under him uh, uh was uh, we had a history with him and actually Dale Moore that is our executive vice president at the American Farm Bureau uh, worked with Greg, so that that relationship has helped us in that conversation. You know, uh, if you look at what's really happened in trade, and uh, it's pretty pretty impressive because so many things have happened since Mr. Trump came to town. Uh, he renegotiated Korea. Uh, our our ask was don't mess up the agricultural piece in it. Uh, they got that done, and and it didn't hardly even make the news really. Uh, and then of course he moved right into NAFTA after. He, withdrew us from TPP, which we were advising him not to, but that was one of his campaign promises that he would withdraw us from that and renegotiate NAFTA. So he fulfilled his promise and withdrew from TPP. Uh, and then we went through a couple of years of losing some of the markets that we had in Japan uh, because uh, the TP, TPP was put into effect with those other 11 countries. 
uh, and we were at, at his doorstep saying, Mr. President, we're losing great markets that we already had, and we need to do something in Japan. So they went in there. Uh, they they, they had a, got an agreement there that puts us on the same level with the, uh, the TPP partners, other partners. Uh, and, and, uh, and if you're growing protein or you're growing grain to grow that protein, feed that protein, uh, this, uh, that's a good big deal for us in agriculture. So, uh, so we, he was able to stop the bleeding in Japan. Uh, renegotiated NAFTA uh, with USMCA. Our plea was don't mess it up. You know, we got to understand 23 years we went from $8 billion worth of trade to 20, uh, 40, uh, $39 billion, and it was growing fast. Uh, and we just didn't want him to mess it up. Well, he didn't, and he did really actually done better. But he clarified a lot of the rules that we needed to clarify in future trade deals. It had to do with biotechnology and uh uh, and all the sanitary issues around it. So, and what does dispute. that mean, maybe for our listeners, when, when they hear about uh, 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 technology and, and sanitary and phytosanitary? W- what does that mean? A lot of people really are, right. that goes that just sometimes we get too technical with it. Yeah. Well, one time the biotechnology. Uh, you know, when NAFTA was done, there, there, there was very little of that around. So that's a new deal that wasn't even uh, considered. in. The, so we needed to have that in that trade treaty. And then uh, the sanitary things are, are actually uh, roadblocks that other countries use. Uh, they may say that they don't like using chlorine wash on chickens, and I come from the poultry world. And, uh, and, and they'd say, well, just because you washed them with chlorine, we're not going to take your chicken. So politically, if something happens, they don't agree. They come after agriculture, throw that roadblock up. So now we have more clarity. And then, of course, the dispute uh, settlement uh, issues, the rules around being able to settle a dispute and do it in a timely manner without dragging it out five or ten years is very important. Of course, you mentioned uh, the the USMCA, U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. There's really one person holding it up, and I, I plan on getting this podcast out today or, or the day after we, we do this. So maybe in a week after this show is a little little more dated that, that we see some movement uh, on the House floor with USMCA. Um, I spoke with the Representative Greg Gianforte from Montana this morning, and he says they have the votes to pass USMCA on both sides of the aisle, but it's up to the Speaker. Um, we would agree with that. We agree that the votes are there. Uh, you know, and, 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 you know, the Speaker has worked real hard through her working groups to try to work out the differences. I think the issue now is just how big can that Democratic vote be on the positive side. You know, we as agriculture, we wanted to come on and come to the floor and have a vote on it, but we need to be patient enough to get her, make sure she has a lot of D votes because we're telling the world something when this is voted on, and we need a very bipartisan, a strong bipartisan vote so that we can show the world that Democrats, Republicans, and this Congress uh, can agree on a trade treaty this uh, president negotiated and that we can uh, we can do that with our two closest neighbors that will send shockwaves across the country uh, across the world and it'll be a very positive thing for us china 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 that <laughs> that's what seems to dominate the, the headlines uh, in agriculture and also the impeachment is is kind of what many think is derailing a lot of, a lot of this progress but china it, we we hear that there could be a phase 1 deal signed 
uh, last week that the president kind of uh, made some statements saying that, well, I'm not maybe going to be so easy on pulling back some of these tariffs. Uh, what is your take and, and what are what are the, the staff at American Farm Bureau uh, doing to, to work on this and, and help advance uh, that phase one that could be maybe 40, 50 billion dollars in addition uh, to, to U.S. agricultural growth? Yeah, and you know, you start talking about 40, 50 billion dollars, that would be huge to the American agriculture. So, uh, you know, we were just, we were boasting about a TPP being 4.4 billion. So 40 or 50 billion uh, would be a tremendous uh, goal to reach. Uh, I think the high that we agricultural trade we've done with China was somewhere around 16 billion to 19 billion, and the president says he's not going to accept that. It's got to be 50. He's holding out for 50. Uh, and you know, I like to explain it this way: you just compare China trade agriculturally to Canada trade agriculturally with us. Canada's setting up with 33 million people. And we're doing $24, $23 billion of agricultural trade with them. And then you look at China with 1.4 billion people, and they're throwing us crumbs by letting us ship $16 billion of trade there at the peak, at the peak. So they were just giving us crumbs so that they can steal all the uh, uh, technology of other companies that are going in there. They were just giving us enough to keep us happy. And that goes back to what the president said to me at our convention. He and I spent about 10 minutes together talking one day, and I told him we were worried about his tariffs with China. And he looked at me and said, so how's the last 10 years treated you? He said, when I get through, you're going to be really excited about what we come across from deal. So, so I, I think he's moving in the right direction. Our farmers are hanging tough with him, of course. The economy's terrible, and it really just depends on what financial situation your individual farm is in as to how fast you want to get him to get it fixed. But we need to do it, get it done, and get it done right. The short-term uh, pain with long-term gains is something worth waiting on. My good friend Don Close with the Rabobank, uh, he and I have talked quite a, a lot over the past year or so about African swine fever. And uh, personally, just you know, watching this and seeing the impact that uh, uh, bird flu and swine flu had on the beef industry uh, three or four years ago when, when that went through much of the, the east and southeast and there wasn't a lot of protein other than beef, which had helped prices out. Well, obviously, African swine fever is a little different as it's, it's not airborne, it's by contact. You know that, but for our listeners uh, out there that aren't familiar with African swine fever, it's it's in China, it's in many Asian countries, and it takes a long time to, to, to get that contained and, and to get that out of the ground, out of the product. But personally, why I see this, I, I think this is a big part of that trade deal because they need to feed their people. And they, they have the most uh, pigs in the world, but... I think it's a big opportunity for protein producers here in the U.S. to fill that gap. I think it's really big. And if you think about it, they've lost half of their herd size. Uh, half of their herd size is more than what we produce every year. So, uh, you know, that, that, is a, that will be a huge market. It's been slow, slow coming to us. So, I mean, really hadn't moved pork prices any yet, hadn't moved beef prices any yet. I think it's going to have to come. But I think they're holding it off because of this trade negotiation. I think it'll be a big piece of it, too. And uh, uh, we look forward to hearing what those numbers are. 
did have the opportunity to visit with the secretary one day uh, back uh, several months ago when they were almost at the point they're at now, right now, and they were th thinking it was going to close back in the spring. And, and he said, you would not believe the numbers that they're telling us that might happen. So that's that's real exciting to us. And so we're cheering the president on, hoping he can pull this to a conclusion. And we don't care if he does it in, in phases. Uh, we just want to make sure we're in that first phase, and I think we will be. Electronic logging devices, that, that's a big issue for, for many producers up here in Montana. Um, back up where my family ranches up on Montana's High Line, I mean, when, by the time you load those those calves that are going to the Midwest or, or the Dakotas to be fed, by the time they reach the Dakotas or Wyoming, their they're, uh, hours of electronic logging and hours of service are, are pretty much up. Uh, maybe uh, for, for our friends out there that are in the trucking industry and, and the livestock hauling, Let's give a, an update on some common sense regulation in the hours of service for livestock hauling. Sure, uh, and I'll, I would tell you it's not just in this area. Uh, when you come from my world, I'm, my calves are in Atlantic City, Iowa right now. I've sent three loads out this year. Uh, and, and this is a this, this would be a uh, deal breaker for us if if we can't keep the exemption or either uh, fix the law that where, where they could adjust to it. So we have put a lot of pressure on to make sure that we can maintain that exemption, but continue to look for a fix uh, in Congress to make sure that we fix it and fix it right. I understand that there is a, a bill out there called Tread. 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 Okay. It's called Tread. Okay. Uh, and I can't tell you what the acronym really means. But I knew, do know that if they're if they run out of their time, uh, service time, and they and they're within 150 miles, that they would be able to continue on to their destination. We're talking about live products or perishable products, uh, live animals or perishable products, and, and most of American people would agree that you don't want to stop that truck, make those cattle stand on there, and you're surely not going to take them off and water them. So, so we got to do something with that. And if you put another driver in there, then it runs the cost up to where we can't afford it. So. Uh, we, we'll continue to put pressure on, make sure we keep the exemption, try to find a permanent fix for it. And uh, a lot of producers uh, ha have been really concerned about, about the cattle market, and the Holcomb-Kansas fire caused a lot of controversy. Um, can you maybe share an update on USDA's investigation in, into that fire and, and the possible market situation that resulted from it? Yeah, I asked the secretary not long ago uh, if he could give me an update, and, and they're kind of holding that kind of tight to the chest. I think they haven't really uh, finished that uh, study that they're doing, so I think we can look forward to that coming out pretty soon. Obviously, we all as cattle producers think there was something fishy going on there. Uh, but hopefully we'll find out, and if it, if it was enough, maybe we can find some fix to it. And if it's not, then maybe they can uh, read the right act to them and make sure that doesn't happen again. Farmside Chats. That's your new podcast. It is. Well, let's talk about that and, and, the, and the shows that you've, you've produced and, and how our, our listeners can subscribe. Yeah, we'd like for you to go on and subscribe and send us comments and suggestions to what you think the, the topics ought to be. Uh, but my very first chat was with, uh, with Secretary Perdue, and, uh, and it, it came out probably a month and a half ago. Uh, and then the second one was on the opioid crisis and, and how we handle stress on the farm. Uh, and then we just released one, I think it came out today, Orrin Samuelson, uh, talking about his history of... Uh, of, uh, of uh, broadcasting, same business you're in. Yep. And, you know, he's been one of my heroes all my life. Been watching him, listening to him, 
for all my life and to be able to interview him and hear his perspective on we, and we kind of focused on the hundred years of, of farm bureau yep. so it was pretty fun to do oh orion is a big o yeah he's a, he's quite the guy i'm actually missing out this week I, I i didn't travel down to the farm broadcasters convention this year but for the last a few years he's been the mc for our foundation auction that sarah wyanett organizes she's chair of that with agripulse and uh, I, I, i've been the auctioneer and, and i tell you what the first time i was able to see orion in person was when i was preparing to run for a national ffa office we were at their studios in downtown chicago he, he and max's uh, radio studios and and to see him go live really inspired me to go into farm broadcasting yeah, and, and to sure. take the stage with, with a legend like that i'm i'm gonna go i'm gonna subscribe today and go listen to that well we invite you to and I, my intentions are to uh, as I'm traveling the country out on farms, not at conventions, but out on farms, that I can bring that farm to all the farmers across America and let them better understand what their farming friend in another part of the country or another commodity is doing and how they're handling issues. You know, that's how in Farm Bureau we have to work to stick together. And the only way we can stick together is to understand each other. And so I I think my podcast can go a long ways to helping us understand each other. Right. Well, again, friends, Farmside Chats, that's going to be available where you listen to your podcast on Android and Apple devices. And you know what, Zippy, there's a lot of folks here that I know want to catch up with you. What's your message to to the farmers and ranchers and those that are advocates for agriculture here listening in the Western United States today? Well, I I just want you to know your American Farm Bureau and and I, the president, uh, are working hard for you each and every day. Uh, You know, you may not know that there's 80 uh, experts in our offices that specialize in certain areas of of our industry, and they're out there each and every day working for you. But the key to our organization for 100 years is for volunteers at the county level to be involved. And one of the focuses I wanted to bring to uh, Farm Bureau was activating those grassroots again. Uh, You know, if you just use the USMCA as an example, Everybody that has an interest in agriculture ought to be calling their congressman and senator weekly uh, and not let it get off their mind and put enough pressure on it. And collectively, we can put enough pressure on to make them bring this to the floor. And that's where the power and strength of this organization is. I would tell farmers that are listening that, that, that maybe aren't a Farm Bureau member, they need to consider that. Come be part of our family. Uh, let your voice be heard in our policy process. You hadn't got to come to to uh, to a, a big meeting. You can go to your county farm bureau and let your voice be heard, uh, because what we do collectively helps everybody, uh, and we want you to be part of our family. So we encourage you. And if you're already a part. We thank you for your volunteerism, and we look forward to continuing to work with you. My last area, what, what do folks have in store for the 101st uh, American Farm Bureau Convention down in Austin coming up in January? What, what, what are some of those big key highlights? Well, we're going to have Secretary Perdue there, he, I'm sure, uh, and he'll have a, a space on the stage to be able to share what's going on at USDA. Uh, possibly the president may be back or, 
or another uh, another person in in his administration. Uh, we won't rule that out, but they won't tell us that until the last <laughs> minute. Uh, but I I kind of got a feeling he might be there again this year. So and it's been real exciting the last two years to yep. have him with us. Our crowd has loved yes. hearing him speak, and uh, it brings a whole different level of excitement to our convention. It truly does. And on the TV end of things, being able to to report and cover presidential speeches at at an agricultural event is a is a, is a unique experience. And I shared this with the South Dakota Farm Bureau audience last year but uh first time i really got to meet zippy well we didn't even really get to meet is when i was going through security in front of you in nashville <laughs> the first time the president spoke and they were rushing us through there and i was getting patted down and i had business cards in my coat and that oh that raised a red flag and it, it was a big old mess but uh, uh i was walking out of there fast with my equipment and my phone just seemed too heavy, and I looked down at it, and there's this beautiful family on it that wasn't my family. And I'm like, oh, I think this is Zippy's phone. And so I uh, I didn't get tackled by Secret Service, but uh, I, that was my, my my memory that I will never forget. Is, uh, yeah, you hijacked my phone. Hijacked, hijacked uh, your phone, and I think you probably had my phone. But uh, <laughs> Uh, Zippy, uh, thank you so much for coming up here to Montana. I, I know our Farm Bureau members truly enjoyed it. Uh, it's a tough time in the countryside, but there's a lot of bright spots out there. And, you know, I, I think one thing that I always tell my listeners is someone's there to talk. There he is, and we want to make sure our farmers keep their head up. What we do is important to this country. And if we can just stay uh, stay focused uh, do do everything that we can do to be efficient and I know episode how can I get any more efficient but there is hope uh, agriculture will come out of this and we got to make sure that each and every one of the ones listening that's farming today survive this and get through it because we're trying our best to make it better for them in the future but it's going to be okay and if you're feeling that stress call the county farm bureau call somebody you know share it with them don't don't hold it inside. Let's talk about the issue and let's see what we can do to help each other. Zippy Duval, thank you so much. Again, safe travels to Wyoming for the centennial celebration down in Laramie. Again, for more information on the American Farm Bureau, just visit AFBF.org and make sure and subscribe to Zippy's podcast, Farmside Chat Today. And for more information, just visit us online at Nordland Communications and make sure and share these podcasts and send suggestions our way to continue the agriculture conversation. Well, friends, have a great day. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the LaneCast with Talkin' Ag Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and NordlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the LaneCast.